0: If you thought you could not love the tiny man, Baby Yoda, any more than you already do, well, you're simply wrong, folks. Welcome to the Mando Fan Show. This is our show all about the Mandalorian, and we have brought the show back, as you may have noticed, to talk all about Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian, and this week we're talking about episode five called Practical, which is all about the tangible physical practical effects that went into making the show last week we talked about the technology which is more the digital aspect and this week it's all about the old school stuff that's using a lot of new school technology to make the old school stuff better to use Uh, with me as always james baney and Lacey Gillerin. so what we do here is typically give our favorite moment or most standout moment maybe not our favorite but something that stood out to us about each episode to kind of get the ball rolling um so i'm gonna start with you on this one lacy um practical effects pretty cool in terms of seeing how this thing goes down um what was your takeaway from this episode or a favorite moment um what stood out to you for the episode on practical effects
1: so this episode's now my favorite (laughs) i feel like i'm falling into that mandalorian trap of now this is my favorite but it was it was my favorite one Mm -hmm. um my favorite Good thing
2: you didn't rate the first one a nine
1: (laughs) thanks (laughs) james (laughs) uh so yeah no that is good but this is now a 10 and whatever Mm -hmm. comes after who knows anyway um it's early So, that being said, uh, my favorite part or standout part, because there were so many favorite parts, my standout part is actually the end of the episode where they talk about the importance of legacy and and, and working with people that made original practical effects and then working with the people that do stuff now to make it, uh, you know, nostalgic and call back to what they did that worked so well while also using new technologies to reinforce, uh, you know, movie magic and making it work. Mm -hmm. And I loved the example that they gave, which was the guy that did Salacious Crumb. They brought him back, the guy that did that puppet, and had him come in and do it again.
0: Tony McVeigh, I think they said his name was. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And I had to laugh uh, when they brought up Celebration, because they talked about how everyone freaked out at that clip of the Qualian monkey, like... Yeah. Or whatever in the cage while the other one's getting roasted and I remember when we all saw it and we reacted to it that's the one thing that was stuck out to us because we were like why would they do that yeah and it just it made me laugh when Dave Filoni was like you know originally he was laughing and they thought that was too mean he's like but yet they're cooking him so it can't be that mean and I was like that's such a funny like sense I, of humor of like it's just I so think, good
0: I think he was right and they should have had it laughing
1: right because the huh like you just were like oh god yeah you just so terrible i
0: I always saw that species as like soulless and like Mm -hmm. just thought everything is funny Mm -hmm. and i thought that would have been more in tune with it if it was laughing at its friend not really not smart enough to realize it was next
1: right (laughs) Right. And then something about it was kind of similar to like the porg thing in The Last Jedi, where you see that little baby porg with the big eyes, and you're like, oh my God, they're going to get eaten.
0: Yeah. They went Uh, with the the cute angle instead of the, that's pretty funny angle. Yeah.
1: But away from that, just like the idea of bringing back the original guy because he's the best person that could have done it. Like Mm -hmm. we hear that a lot with The Mandalorian, and we heard it from the panel to now to interviews. That John Favreau really searches for the best of the best. And I think this solidified that. Like he went to those people, the model builders, whoever, to get yeah. those people to bring them in to make sure that classic Star Wars is being represented and he's getting the best of the best.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And it's funny, like, is like, and you could tell Favreau likes the old school, um, the romance of making live action stuff which sometimes it's a little tough little gritty Mm -hmm. and he's like yeah we had this big guy really big guy mike in there and he had to really squeeze his arm up there i love it i love hearing that stuff it's so funny yeah um james did you have anything from this episode that stood out to you or you like found as your favorite moment um i did i i
2: i wanted to mention though that section though where they were talking about celebration though because i've it was a personal connection that I think the three of us had because mm-hmm. we were there yeah. right? Know? and they mentioned it like three times. Cause they were like, cause Favreau says, you know, I think that got a big moan and groan. And then he's <laughs> like, yeah, it did. And then, uh, Kathleen Kennedy's like, I think it even got the biggest reaction and stuff. And I was like, I literally was there with the scene when they're talking about this. So <laughs> it felt, it was um, cool. I don't know. It almost made me feel like I was on set um yeah that's a good point but uh i think um i don't know there were a lot in this episode that i was like well this is probably going to be my favorite part and then the next part would come up and i'm like (laughs) actually no this is pretty good too (laughs) um but i think the one that i thought was really funny was um when they were talking about ig11 and how he (laughs) couldn't be too cool um, and that in one way they designed him to walk was just using the fact that he was on like the rollers <laughs> and, uh, they said they, instead of needing to replace him later, they would just roll him along and he kind of like bobbles and hops. <laughs> right. <you know>? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I thought, I don't know. I guess I just thought sometimes when things work as stupid as they are, they, they work, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Um, like, you know, most people would have their camera on a tripod, but if it's like duct taped up or whatever, it still works. You know, you look at, you, you back off a little bit and you see that he's like on a shopping
0: cart. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay, something's weird (laughs) here, but yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I, I agree. I think, um, and I think, didn't they say something like, um, we got way more use out of that one. I don't know if they had a name for it. Usually they name those things, but, um, like Bruce the shark, but, than they expected the one on the wheels. They're like we were actually able to use him for headshots and all these things. So it almost like gave it a little bit of a personality and now when you see close-ups of the thing you're like I know that there's wheels under that on like you say a shopping it w- cart. It
1: was literally like a mannequin pole. <laughs> yeah. They used they were using it for lighting reference, which is hilarious cuz you'd think that they would use that and like you know in post to then reference and they were like no this actually looks pretty good
0: right (laughs) let's just leave it (laughs) it's it's so cool because like just last week we're talking about the volume and like this game changing like Mm -hmm. it screws up your eyes and your your eyes aren't advanced enough to realize what's real and what's different and now we're like yeah, this thing's putting in on a shopping cart. I and mean, they right. thought that was the best well, thing that, to right. Hear. I mean, and that is the whole point of this episode, is them
2: saying that it's never about 100% practical. It's never about 100% CG. Yeah, It's the mer- merging of the two. The, so. the right.
0: balance. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was Hal Hickel or whoever said that they felt like, or maybe it was even Rick Famuyiwa who said that they felt like there was an equal proportionate. Um, and a balance in how they they made it, and it wasn't heavy on one or the other, like you say. I feel like that was Rick when he just kicks off the episode. Yeah, side note,
1: they have that interview with him on set, and I'm like, why isn't the show like this?
0: Yeah, that's a great point, because I was going to bring that up later, but I felt like this episode was way less reliant on the roundtable.
1: Yes, and when the episode kicked off, with john and rick standing there talking i'm like oh here we go and right. then they're like okay well i'll catch you later and i feel like it was one of those things that they had a crew following them around but mm-hmm. didn't plan for these interviews and then john was like come over here let's shoot this interview real quick and the camera right. guy's like all right uh because it seemed very like on the like on the spot type yeah. of interview yeah but um it just oh gosh it just made me want that so much like that follow around director in the jedi yes type stuff um right but it, yeah it was i good. mean it's I just, just
2: like it's just like movie making in general they say you know you're you're you have an idea of what it's going to be and then in the end right. you have to like change things up right. and it wasn't exactly how you thought um And uh, I think that kind of goes for all the behind the scenes stuff, too. I think they just kind of like hire the people and they're like, look, we we don't know what we're doing yet. Just film it. Yeah. Talk to people (laughs) as much interact, do whatever. And then, you know, when you look at it later, it's like, did they not plan this whole roundtable thing? No, probably not. (laughs) You know, they probably just knew they had this big catalog of uh, behind the scenes shots. And they whenever they talk about it, they go, do we have a shot to cut to? No, we don't. Okay. Do we have a shot to cut to? Yes, we do. Okay, cool. We can show the one (laughs) we shot with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It makes Um, me think of the one part with- It's written around the round table.
1: Right. Where Jon Favreau is with Baby Yoda, and they're doing the part where he holds the fire, and he goes, okay, well- Baby O's is number one on the call sheet, so let's get as much footage as possible. And I've been there so often where I'm like, just get as much as you can because mm-hmm. you'd never know what you're going to need in post. And it's just so funny to hear that from someone like John Favreau, who's just like going with it. He's like, just get as much as you can, all different angles, and we'll pick which one in post. And I'm like, I have been there so many times where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to shoot everything. And yeah. if I don't use it, I don't use it. It ends up in a folder somewhere on a desktop, but um, as long as I have it.
0: Uh, real timeout, real quick, James. Your, I'm just noticing your mic doesn't sound like it's your mic. I don't know if. Yeah, but OBS is working. Okay, just want to make sure. Same. Sorry.
2: But I can probably because all my preference got messed up. Um, as long as it's working on your OBS
1: end. If OBS is fine, then don't yeah, don't change just leave anything.
0: It. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. So that was one of my bigger takeaways, Lacey. Mm-hmm. Was that. Favreau is way more involved in the hands-on element of this show mm-hmm. than I think maybe I had realized. Right. He, he's literally in several sequences in this documentary now. He is hands-on directing. Yeah. He is saying like, no, take the cannon and swerve this way mm-hmm. as Tyke is standing right there and it's his episode. And I'm not saying he, like, stepped on their toes or anything. It's obviously his show, and I don't know. Maybe showrunners do get more involved, and we don't see these documentaries a lot. I'm not an expert in film production, but... I think it depends on the person. I think, and we know Favreau's that type of guy who's so energetic and he wants to be involved in that sort of thing. Maybe they're like, you know, we're not going to sap his energy because then it'll affect the whole show. But I think that him being involved and being there so much and being really his hands in the clay did make a show that had five different directors over eight episodes feel more cohesive.
1: Yeah, I think he it's clear that he really cares. We always knew that, but in this episode especially like you said, him showing how personal this project is and saying like this is like me picking up my action figures and saying oh, I want this and or I want that. that that's what I'm playing with.
0: That's it. Yeah.
1: That stood out to me that line from him because I was like this is such this is on such a personal level for him. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are with Star Wars, but with john it seems like he really is like this is my baby not just was, baby yoda but baby in right
0: <laughs> and you know what that was close to my favorite moment him holding his hands out simulating playing with action figures yeah and it's he's like, like i
1: want this ship i want this person i want this my kid.
0: boba fett's gonna fight this and then yeah and
1: i loved the explanation of why he chose different characters like he's like i wanted the d-list acknowledge- yeah yeah because I, ha- I would have that figure. I would want this if I. It was just, it was so fun to watch right. because you're like piecing it together and you, you kind of wonder as a fan, like, why did they go this way? And you realize right. it's really just because he liked it. <laughs> and he right. was like, this is really fun. I want to do this. And sometimes I, that's all it takes.
0: I agree. Um, I, I was going to say that was my favorite part the whole like these D list Star Wars characters getting character arcs. But mm-hmm. Gina Carano, I don't know. She she had a very small part in this show, but something about her saying she was at Thanksgiving dinner and her little sister, ma- like made fun of her because she said blasters, and, and she she's was like, like, oh yeah, yeah? blasters, blasters? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, blasters, and she's like, that's when I knew I was a Star Wars nerd officially. And I, there's, I mean, I I joke like, like you're gonna love Baby Yoda more, but like Gina Carano, it's like she does not stop making you love her. She's charming. And, Oh, my God. And so, like, genuine. And it doesn't feel like one of those things, like, oh, we're on camera now? Okay. Well, I really love that. It's like, no, she's, like, all in, like you said uh, a few weeks ago, or even during the Mando Fan Show, our first season of this. Mm -hmm. She's doing her own stunts and all this, like, just Mm -hmm. everything and every take and stuff. But I heard, like, talking about that and Baby Yoda and, like, Jon Favreau saying she was (laughs) out-acted. I think that's my favorite part of the whole... (laughs) that whole episode like, I, that I baby, laughed.
1: that baby outacted you know like that's yeah. so funny I,
0: I laughed so hard at that because we know that Jon Favreau uh, had that one-on-one with her and she talked about this at Celebration like you can do this and stuff sure. like that but to see that he was so confident in her confidence that he was able to still bust her chops is fantastic I thought
1: I thought that was so funny because the whole episode's like, you know, that big section is about how cute Baby Yoda is and how everybody loves it and it takes over her attention. And then she's like, yeah. and then I'm like, oh, I did a great scene in John. Yeah, I was like, right. nah, nah, dog. <laughs> His puppet out acted you, and then you look over and the puppets like three dudes with like big controllers, like
0: yeah, the wires like Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, and- you
2: know, up until this, up until today, I've been under the impression that on set he. Uh, it was referred to as the child. Yeah, yeah. and they called and, it baby. And I was like, not anywhere. It seems like they ever called him the child. It seems like on set they referred to them, b- referred to it as baby. Yeah, just baby. Yeah, right. baby. And I, I and I don't know. It, 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 somebody said Yoda baby at one point too, and I was like, are they ahead of the curve? I mean, I, I guess I don't really know, like what else to call it, but. Were they calling it Baby Yoda before the mass saw it as Baby Yoda? Because I was, I don't know, like I said, I was under the impression that they were like, well, it's the child. And the reason we're calling it the child is it kind of is a code name anyway. And, you know, that's just how they referred to it. And now it seems weird. It seems like the child is only in like Promotional official stuff. interviews. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or like merchandise. And so I'm they like, the Okay.
2: So I guess they're calling it Baby. Yeah, yeah, Bryce
1: called it Baby The in her interview and in scenes on set with the to children. To the kids, yeah. which
0: was on set. Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of those things where if you showed someone a picture of it or the puppet of it who didn't know anything about it and said, what is this? And they'd be like, oh, that looks like Yoda as a baby or a baby Yoda. So it's, right. I think it's almost that instinctual, like, that's, how, that's what that is. I identify that yeah um
2: no i i think you're right i just think it, it kind of seems like we were like we saw the episode and then we're like they they say it's the child and then you're like okay yeah i'm just gonna call it baby yoda yeah and that's how like <laughs> the rest of the world and then you almost see like these interviews where dave's kind of like okay it's not really baby yoda sure. but it's like but I get it. He says, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of interesting. Cause I feel like this is all of a sudden now today, just because of this episode, I'm like revealed to a whole other world that, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't think was happening. They still it, didn't
1: show the shot of George with baby Yoda yet. And you, you know, know that's what? somewhere, you know, that's on a camera somewhere.
0: Maybe not. Cause that looks like it was a cell phone, like
1: quick photo,
0: but yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope you're right. Yeah. Because um, this
1: would have been the episode to be like, oh, everyone loves it, and then a quick shot of George.
0: So I, I agree with you completely. I would yeah. love to see that in HD in a video and see like him like <laughs> or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, but how about uh, speaking of that, Werner Herzog? Like that was amazing. Oh my
1: god, I love him. <laughs> I want him to like come back.
0: I know his character, and we had noted like they had somewhere else. This was already revealed that he was doing this. In I forget trailer, where
1: the trailer for it.
0: Oh, okay. Because then yeah. when Deborah Chow's talking about, it, I'm like, I've seen this. Yep. I've I've heard. Okay. Because he's like, they. She said he was directing the puppet yeah. and stuff, and then she's and think, directing
1: him, who's directing the puppet. Yeah.
0: Uh, and meanwhile, the guys in the background with the remotes are like, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the puppeteers are. He doesn't realize he's actually directing
2: the puppeteers right. Yeah. Commit right to the
1: magic is what she said which i loved that phrasing like just yeah. committing to what is that childlike thing about star wars which is right. you know i'm sure we all grew up with it with like sesame street and muppets like you kind of grew up with th- picturing puppets and real people together And I think Star Wars does it better than anything else with Yoda. So they had to commit to this and, like, make it a thing.
2: And how – I mean, Muppets is a really good example, Lacey. Like, I could easily imagine being on the set of Sesame Street or or a Muppets full-length film, like, you know, Most Wanted or something. And just being involved in in these scenes with certain characters where you've been talking to it for long enough – in the scenes that, when you want to like correct something about it, you would uh, just address the puppet. Right. You know, yeah. like, could you could you turn this way when when you're saying that line? Mm-hmm. And you you know, it's because there's a face there, and that's who you're interacting with, right. and it's alive, and it very clearly seems sentient because it's talking back to you every time you address it, right. even behind the scenes, because you know those people, they don't they don't turn it off. Right. They're not like. Cut and then they're like, "Oh man, that was a great." And they stand up. Yeah, you, know? you see the bloopers. It, it's, of it's not Sesame like that. Street, yeah, you, yeah, you're. They're still just kind of sitting there, and they they stay in character and stuff. Yeah. so
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but like, and there's so much here, especially in this sequence with the Baby Yoda thing. And I guess we have to get into really the the meat and potatoes of making Baby Yoda and how they brought him about. But three like, months.
1: I was surprised it only took three months.
0: Me too. Um, but. Deborah Chow. It's like every time she speaks, I just have so much more and more confidence in like just giving her a Star Wars project and being like, "She's just wonderful." Direct. I think you're just focusing on her. It's I don't know what it is. Every time she talks, I'm like, she has this aura and confidence about her that is um, subdued and subtle. It's not like um, an abrasive, but she, the way she talks about things and like the balance. She's always using that word of balance. of like not going too high, too low and the emotions of the puppets, but you need to get it, but you don't want it to be overdone. And I'm just like, I, I really, I am so excited about Kenobi. And then she's going to be doing that whole thing. But um, I know we got to get to the Baby Yoda thing. But so my, my thing on the Baby Yoda stuff is um, Favreau talking about that trolls thing he was doing and how it's all about the ears and the eyes. Yeah. And I was like that. Mm-hmm. That is a really great point because Yoda's mouth was always just like this flat line. And it's like, okay. Yeah, But the eyes uh, always sold the original Yoda. And then the ear movement, I think, takes it to a new level. So I thought that was very interesting.
1: That shot of the ears in the episode one, that's when I screamed. Like when they do the kind of from behind the little ear. You know immediately what it is by the silhouette going back to the previous episode talking about silhouettes Mm -hmm. or two episodes ago. Uh, that those ears give it away. But there's a term, and I'm blanking on it right now, there's a term of uh, when something's super cute, when its eyes are really big. I'm trying to think what the term is, but... Uh, yeah, I would look really I, I smart remember, right now if I remembered this term, but there is a term the, that it, it's it, like, if the eyes are big, it's going to be cuter to you, or like oversized features.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is... Um, there's this uh, video of... I think Trey Parker on the set of minions Mm. and he kind of revealed he, I forget it's similar. I think he kind of reveals that there's like this behind the scenes formula that is like, well, what you do is you take a character, right? And then you like cut them down to like one third size and then you raise their eyes and you, raise their voice by you know six half steps or something like that mm-hmm. and he goes that that's a hundred percent the minions they just use the formula mm-hmm. and the formula is immediately like if you do this to your character you will sell so much more or you will make him <laughs> that much more relatable to uh children and and to people in general because they will think it's Cute, and then you right. like think about the minions, and you're like, "Yeah, I don't think there's anything particularly special about them. They're just they fall so perfectly into that like, let's shrink them, let's make their eyes big, let's make them go." You're like, "Okay, like I I see what you're doing. It's working, but I, I feel weird about it because it, they're so the formula, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and definitely, I always say that too. I say, um, girls think anything that." Is a small, a tiny version of anything, no matter how realistic it is, is cute. Like, yeah. like you have a, 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 like mall, right? And then you put like little mall, and it's right, like, you like know, chibi. it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could have a chair, or you could have a little chair, and all right. of a sudden the little chair is so cute, right? right? Yeah. Or g- Gizmo
0: um, is a great example from Gremlins. Yes.
2: Yeah. That. Well, that's almost exactly the same as the Baby Yoda. Yeah, formula when, when they were the moving the eyes
0: it. and stuff, I was like, "Wow, that. Yeah, that reminds me of Gizmo." And the way like,
1: it turns its head. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you guys are right. The ears, man. I. I.
2: I. Know what my dog is thinking because of his ears. You know, he's listening. Right. And then he gets like concerned, and then his ears go back up when he's. Or like, sad. Thinking it's, about things. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Um. It, yeah. It's. It's crazy um, how many of the puppeteers and they kind of say, like, we're like, well, we're like a band and like we, we get jamming. A, yeah, we're jamming and we get into sort of a rhythm I knew together. you were
1: going to like that part. As soon as he said, I was like, John's going <laughs> to like this jamming
2: part.
0: Yeah. Well, I figured Jane's might too, but... You know, it's... He's like, no, I had to no, premeditate jam. knowing that he was... <laughs> did you say no? <laughs> I, I said, I don't really not, jam. I don't no. jam. You're not a jam band?
1: You don't like OAR, Dave Matthews? <laughs> Fish.
0: Um, no. I hate jam
2: bands.
1: Yeah. Sorry. But the guy... But
0: we wrote parts, them. man. The guy premeditating was like, well, I knew he was going to turn left, so I, I wanted to get the hand there first. And it, like that is... It sounds painstaking. It really does. And um, they... It was one of those things where, and not to go back to Empire, but like um, I think it was George Lucas or someone saying, if if Baby Yoda doesn't work, the movie's a failure. And I almost feel like that's the case for the Mandalorian too. Like if if in 2020 you're trying to pull off this puppet and use this technology, and it's gonna like steal everyone's attention, which it really did. Uh, you got to make it work, and I uh, I feel like they really did, and especially Favreau's awareness to which may be a little bit of a dig at Yoda from the prequels. He's like, I want anything we do CG with this puppet. The puppet has to also be able to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah speaking of painstaking the amount of revisions and additions of baby yoda they did design wise was kind oh, of crazy
0: i'm glad they picked the one they did though
1: yeah and the one they picked was actually that's the design they threw on t-shirts after they made, didn't have any merch i was like oh there's the thing that's on everything uh, mm-hmm. which is from chris yeah. all, Allsman, is that, right? he yeah. does a lot of the concept art by the way i see his stuff all the time like he designed i think bb8 and stuff
0: he did rogue one and force awakens yeah
1: yeah so it just makes me laugh because they're like, oh, and we went with this design. I was like, oh, you don't say because it's on everything. Is it really? <laughs> yes. Shirts.
2: Wow. Yeah. You don't remember that, John? It was just I, a I square like,
1: of the shirt. And like,
2: I remember, yeah, yeah it was like the, the first round of merch came out yeah. and Mandalorian merch. And I was like clicking through and I was like, OK, uh, that's cute. I get that. And then like the next one, I'm like, OK. You just cropped this. And the this. next thing. And I'm like stop like stop <laughs> using this image i do not care about this image and literally have you ever have you ever been on somebody's like facebook and then like they will have like a picture of them and then you click through and it's like a recropped picture yep. of them and then like a close-up and you're like i don't even know why why would you upload that like what they is of happening? the same got to picture delete the
1: extras yeah
2: i get or 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 they set it as their cover photo and then like it changes yeah and it Right. or something and I'm like why do you have like 10 pictures of the same thing like stop like I don't I'm gonna know, that's do how that I now. felt
0: <laughs> you probably already do, yeah you try. definitely <laughs> probably do <laughs> probably I don't
1: know but I think for me one of the reasons this episode was so great is because we talk about this a lot on TRB and I know this is something that I always say is like it's so important, no matter where the technology takes us in movie making, to always have it rooted in the practical stuff. And if you look back at movies that have aged well, it's because they use practical stuff. Um, oh, and absolutely. they didn't go too far in advance of what they're capable of because then the technology is just going to surpass them. So a good example is like Jurassic Park. No matter what you do, Jurassic Park is going to look great because they were like, you know what? We can make animatronic dinosaurs and it's going to look great and it still holds up no matter what year it is or like titanic titanic has its moments that are a little dated that you're like okay this is clearly done this year but overall james cameron did something that no one else could do because he built a titanic and then sunk it like there there's stuff like that that you just look at it and you're like this will never look bad to me and That's i'll always point. be yeah. in the world because they took the time to use the technology that was given to them at that time frame and didn't go, we kind of talked about this a little uh, on TRB, was Toy Story 1. Toy Story 1's great, but it's clearly dated on the technology that they were capable of doing at the time, whereas you look at it now, Toy Story 4 or 5 or whatever we're at at this point. uh, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah, and you're like, oh, this looks amazing. But then you put it side by side with Woody in one and you're like, oh God. Right. what happened and you it's can't because go from of watching the practical 1 practical stuff to
0: four. <laughs> right and like
1: even stuff like we talk about this too uh jar jar binks jar jar binks now would look completely different than jar jar binks then and yes they used the head to make people look at the right place and tried to use uh mocap and stuff like that but it's not the same as the textures that they can apply to cg yeah. now
0: well even look at you know, the, there's always been all these attempts to try to make like these cool shark movies and stuff. But like Jaws is like Deep Blue Sea looks so terrible. And it was CG <laughs> sharks like so- But you go back to 1975 and Jaws, even though the shark is like bigger than a shark's supposed to be. Sure, and they, sure. they, they over dramatize it. It's still when it jumps out of the water the first time, he says, why don't you try, try chumming some of this? You know what? I'm like, that looks legit.
1: I don't know a lot about Jaws, but they used like an animatronic, right?
0: Yeah, Bruce. It was this yeah. big clunky thing. Yeah. But
1: like they put the shark on the boat, you know? Yes. They had yeah. the people on the boat. It makes yeah. sense. It sells what you're looking at.
0: Right. Um, exactly. And I think yeah.
1: that's so important. Yeah. And then leads into the model building stuff because you have a combination now of CG and realistic stuff, practical yeah. stuff, that then sells it even more. That they were doing back with the first Star Wars movies, that yep. hasn't changed, and there's a reason that there's certain things that you don't change. But right. at the same time, they were like, "Well, now we can get more range of motion with these models. We can get more, uh, you know, space in the in the camera because the models used to be so gigantic. They were like, we can't pull back too far because then we'll just miss everything. Um, mm-hmm. But stuff like that is just so cool to me, and it, I just love the idea that some guy. That made models for the original Star Wars probably had to grow out of that role and take on something else given the time. And then John Favreau shows up and goes, hey, man, I heard you used to make models. You want to come make models again? The guy's like, my life's my life's passion. I can do it again. You yeah. know, because you people see? kind um, of age out of what is needed sometimes because people just go with whatever the technology allows them to do.
0: Yeah, like that legendary Star Wars guy Phil Tippett, who made all the puppets and the oh, tauntauns and everything. Dinosaur
1: supervisor Phil Tippett, you had one yeah, job, he, Phil.
0: He like went to his Twitter account and he was like, "I'd love to come play on the Mandalorian." And people like lost their minds. They're like, "Oh, we thought he was done with Star Wars, and yeah. like we haven't heard from him and whatever. And he's he's in the backwoods somewhere with his big white beard and stuff." And <laughs> uh people are like, "Wow, that's crazy." But you know, Favreau makes me laugh because he's so honest. He's like. We didn't really need miniatures, but a trick that I was told by Guillermo del Toro is if you have you them to make <laughs> it, you get to keep it. So I'm like, I laughed the so hard because that I've is ever. totally
1: <laughs> something I would do. I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna make this, so I get to keep it. Exactly. Like that that's is so, so me. It's nice. So funny.
0: and Kathleen Kennedy's stand, sitting right there, and she's probably like, you know what, this show's like a, a big success, so that's fine, I guess. Like <laughs> so, when I did
1: all the exhibits for like Lucasfilm stuff for work. And we had to make signs and printouts for Lucasfilm. I was like, I'm going to keep these signs.
2: (laughs) John (laughs) Knoll said that the graphics for the ships had already been approved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when they were questioning the use of miniatures, it was already over budget. (laughs) Photoshop John (laughs) Knoll. So we really don't know what we're going to do to kind of... um, try to make them as down and dirty and in the garage as, as we can. Um, And I don't, and I'll say this too. I know we're like pretty positive about the thing, but I think the practical use of the ships was not good. I don't like it.
1: Okay. That's fair.
2: Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think like when we were watching the footage at celebration and everybody, like we saw the ships and stuff and, Everybody was like, "Whoa!" And I was like, "I'm not woed. <laughs> I'm not wowed. I, it looks like a, it looks like a practical ship on a stick, and they're like moving it around in space." To me, that's the um, charm, man. No, I, yeah, I know. But like, I don't know. Like when he said today in the episode, Dave said that the the um, uh, what are they called? I can't remember the dinosaur, or whatever was top motion. Blurs. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That it was stop motion and I was like, oh, that's interesting because I didn't notice that. But now that you're pointing it out, I go, oh, yeah, I guess it does. But it was believable because stop motion is believable when it's done right. You know, when it's done. They also
1: had that filter over it where he's looking Mm -hmm. through the gun. So Mm -hmm. I think it kind of. Yeah,
2: sure so they wanted to do it but then they also wanted to cover up the fact that it you know didn't look perfect maybe yeah and they made it look better by so they so it was real stop motion but it was also like covered up the um, impractical things uh, yeah I don't know I just thought it was kind of interesting when they were talking about this the we only did miniatures and we uh, we already were going to do it as a CG thing or whatever and I was like then why would you do the miniatures I don't I know l- I mean I like it's cool and I love hearing about sure. it but it doesn't look good, and I think the biggest, the biggest one is the beginning of episode five, where they're having this space battle, and I'm like, I'm not bought in on this. Oh yeah, hmm, yeah. Like the space battles in Rogue One to me are believable. The space battle in A New Hope is not because it looks like flying stick
0: spacecraft. That's fair. Um, I I find it funny. Like in it's been multiple occasions now. Where in this documentary, throughout the course of the five episodes, where where feloni's like, "Are we seriously doing this right now?" Like in terms yeah. of techniques, and I'm game, but yeah. And Favreau's like, "No, how are we gonna make?" Favreau's like, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like we're gonna we're gonna do it. It's gonna be awesome." Like when he was directing his first episode in the bar, feloni's probably like, "This is the first live action thing fans are gonna see me do, and if this thing looks crappy, they're gonna think I suck." And Favreau's just like, "Like he's Don't gonna worry about
1: lose it. nerd points."
0: Yeah, like Favreau's like I got. It. Don't worry about it. This is gonna be great. I love this technique. They did it in this 1943 film called This, and it was um like it's just insane. Yeah. But um the last thing we gotta uh, get talk about, well, that I'd love to talk about, is back to that D list and giving these uh like characters that people know from the original trilogy, specifically The Empire Strikes Back, with the Ugnaughts and the IG Droid, and really giving these characters arcs. And I think that makes you look at those species and those types of characters more uh, in a better light or with more depth retroactively. Because you have Queel, which I thought this whole thing was cool, and then the IG droid, of course, which everybody loves. But I can't
1: believe they recorded Nick Nolte's lines and then played them and then had her act according to what the line was. Because usually what they do is they record it and then they have him dub it after the fact. They had him do that first. So they were playing it while she's at, like he said she was listening and then would react and they do a couple of yeah. different inflections or whatever, which is normal. But I saw that and I was like, wow, they are doing that kind of backwards. But I kind of love that. Also, I picked up at the beginning of the episode. They had whoever was the Mandalorian, which was not Pedro Pascal talking and doing Pedro lines. And I was oh, like, y- yeah. that is not the right delivery of whatever that line was yeah it was very interesting because you just hear the voice that's clearly not him and you're like oh yeah that would well, make sense that he says the lines because Chewie makes uh-huh. the says the lines
0: exactly that's sure. yeah that's for the other actors only yeah yeah um, but it was
1: funny that they played it because they've been so kind of protective of the mandalorian of what you hear and we've commented on other episodes where you'd think you would hear him say the lines or hear right. stuff and they don't they play the dubbed line so this was interesting that they played that and i was like oh okay clearly that's not pedro but
0: right makes yeah. sense um i don't know about does the voice usually go first or last you're saying it usually doesn't like when they make- usually does not yeah. usually so when they, they
1: express- dub it after like pedro didn't say the lines and then they acted accordingly they had the stunt guys or whoever was standing in at times act the part and then he would go yeah. and record it later john
2: Just for a second, this would this would be like if James Earl Jones did all of Darth Vader's voice, and then when they were making the movies, they just had James Mm. Earl Jones' voice come out of the mask. So a thing, it's like. It's like, no, they didn't do it that way. They definitely shot it, you know, with the original actor and then went back and replaced mm-hmm. him later. Right. right, they do
1: it with Kylo, too. Like, Adam Driver probably says yeah. the lines, but they go back and post and have him probably re record yeah. things and then oh, say yeah. it again. Yeah. But the cool thing about Kylo, which we always talk about, is that they made the mask work so that he could say the lines and act according to what he, it would sound like later.
2: Yeah. Ky- so that's kind of the, like the real life version sure. of which <laughs> I don't know. which is not
0: because when they do stuff like um pixar like toy story and stuff the actors go first and then they animate based on the performance of the actor so like tom hanks does his thing and they make woody adapt to what tom hanks did
1: sometimes it depends
0: yeah yeah that that's
2: a good point though John. tom hanks is I not think, matching I think up to right. the, they do do that yeah. as well
0: right because like i hate when i i hate when people say doo-doo <laughs> I just did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's always they just do a, do that. a reminder that I have the emotional maturity of an 8-year-old because I always laugh when people do that. <laughs> um, but and then the the IG droid stuff I thought was really cool too. Um, we 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 talked about it at the top, but giving these characters like full arcs and you really think about it like you cared about an IG droid where previously you knew him from a video game or a comic or some legends material or just the thing standing on the deck on an empire and they, they made you like feel bad for it when it sacrificed itself right that is impressive so that that's that's really grabbing your audience by like the heart i mean like we're gonna make you care about this thing that nobody should ever have cared about and that is just um it makes me nervous about what else is gonna to happen to the characters I really care about in the show because because right, <laughs> it, right. it wasn't the bounty droid that gave his life; it was the nurse. The nurse, right, right, yeah. Um, I didn't really care in the first episode when he's like, "I'm going to self destruct." I'm like, "Okay." But that's
1: kind <laughs> of the funny thing is, well, not funny, but the cool thing is about Star Wars is that they always make these kind of objects something that you care about, with like droids. So yeah. mm-hmm. I loved the piece where Tycho was talking about how in the very beginning of Star Wars you meet these droids that are in the the deserts of Tatooine and they're dirty and gritty and they're not like perfectly clean and mm-hmm. it just makes them they more call human. they lived in. Yeah.
2: Right, is that the point of Star Wars was that it, it this wasn't the first one? This was it's already been going on for a long time. Right. before you saw, but that the world has already lived in. Yeah, yeah.
1: and war torn. Exactly, and it goes back to like the practical puppetry type stuff. Where you know, growing up, when I first star, saw saw Star Wars the first time, when you see the droids in the desert, it you're just like, what is this? What is this magical world that I want to be in? Because mm-hmm. you had. You're not used to seeing that. You're used to seeing, obviously, people on screen. And then you see these two funny guys that are going through the desert, and it kind of just sells it. And then it just grows from there, where you talk about how they shot the original movies with, like, the Jawas and the Tread and all this different stuff. And, you know, they talked about how there's this kind of, (laughs) kind of, like, weird backyard look to it, right? It's kind of like... They just pulled where they could and did what they could with the mm-hmm. budget. And they tried to stay consistent to that. And I loved that with The Mandalorian is that they didn't try to outgrow where Star Wars started, which I feel like sometimes with any type of franchise or any type of movie, uh, sometimes they're like, oh, well, we have more money, so we should do this. And they were like, no, no, no. even though we have more money, let's still stay consistent to what the look of Star Wars is.
0: Yeah, I I think, and what makes me feel so good about at least the future of the Mandalorian anyway, is like, there seems to be this, I don't want to call it a dyad to be cheesy, but like (laughs) Favreau and Filoni, like what they each bring to this, like it's it's a respect for the history, of course, especially with Filoni always like bringing up what George taught him and stuff. Take Which a Favreau's... shot
1: every time he says history or George. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but Favreau's like... A legacy. Yeah, a legacy. Yeah. I feel like I bring this up every episode for this version of Mando Fan show. but Favreau's like appreciation for the history of cinema and stuff is so important to this because he understands the history of Star Wars and how George Lucas developed this stuff. So I think those two working together to... Like I always say, keep one hand at least on the root of the tree. And if you want to take it to all these places, fine. But keep keep grounded here. And we talked about this on TRB about, oh, genres and Star Wars doing all these different crazy wild things. It's like, no, it George created the sandbox and you don't fix it if it's not broken. Mm-hmm. And they respect that so much. And I think they, heck, they got it. And they understand what makes Star Wars Star Wars. And I really feel like they have their, their finger on the pulse with this thing which makes me hope that Favreau sticks around and wants to do more Star Wars stuff, whether it's, you know, beyond the Mandalorian or or gets involved with um, um, a, a role because I really buy into what he's doing and Filoni in the same, right? Like I really do appreciate Dave Filoni more now than I did before the Mandalorian because for a while, you know, I, didn't necessarily love everything he did in animation i feel like it's hit or miss for me but there's no doubt that this guy really is a star wars fan at heart but also knows it and loves it and i think that's so important for this show yeah and and i think as this show
2: has continued on um you have falled back on Favreau a lot is like the show is great because you got Favreau doing it and he's genius and we all agree but oftentimes I'm the one that usually pulls pulls us back to don't forget man Filoni is is, very much involved in a lot of the times the reason that we're um, able to connect to some of this stuff too isn't just because John uh, is so great but that Dave is the one that's making sure this story carries through because absolutely yeah yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that, that. I mean, there's even like a balance between me and you specifically, like you you tend to steer towards Favreau. I tend to steer towards Filoni, Um, even though we both totally recognize the other person's mm-hmm. contributions. Um, but but I, I, I do think that's good. I think, uh, you know, Filoni probably if left to his own devices would go too far one way you know what I mean and then Favreau pulls him back and and probably the exact opposite you know Favreau would be like let's do this and Filoni's like it would actually work better if you know we did it this way Mm -hmm. uh I think the 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 things that we've been working on with Clone Wars and Rebels and other things like that and like the essence of Star Wars uh you might be missing a little bit Favreau let's go back you know this this way so the the match is is uh like a, like a mom and dad or something, you know, so, or whatever. Like, it just matches.
1: Right, totally. So I just thought of something, and this is kind of a little bit of a side note, but I just want to say it so I don't forget. Uh, In the episode, they talk about when they're bringing Baby Yoda to life. Uh, you know, they sent the script to Filoni, Filoni sketches, the two of them touching, like, E.T. type thing. Mm, yeah. And they then say, we then brought in Doug Chang, Chang to yeah. do all the concept art. Right. I can't help but notice, why did they bring in Doug for High Republic? <laughs> I, yeah, I
0: know. I'm
1: throwing it back out there, guys. There is a red flag here that no one's talking about.
0: Oh, um, no, we're talking about it.
1: No, I'm saying like outside of our circle.
2: <laughs> outside of our circle. Oh, like, yeah, yeah.
1: The fact that he was brought in for anything is a big kind of like, so we brought him in. Yeah. Like if someone says we brought in John Knoll, you're like, oh wow they're gonna do crazy special effects or they need to create something new like if you're bringing in doug you're doing big stuff so why did high republic bring in doug i will save that for trb but i just want to say it there i'm just i'm very very curious because i don't think he was brought in to conceptualize book characters
0: yeah because no, he's so doubt.
1: good that's what i'm saying like he is the best of the best so when they bring yeah. him in you're like yes that would make sense that they'd bring him in to conceptualize baby yoda and to go to his team and figure out what this thing looks like
0: if yeah if you guys he was on the set i was like we we get into this what yesterday's episode trb uh, about the high republic delays right
1: yes yes so yes
0: check th- check that out um because we know you don't just like what day is it yeah yeah it doesn't what doesn't help it? that our news episode was on a thursday yeah. you know another stuff check out check out our takes on that because we think we may be onto something but um in terms of this uh james i do agree with you that there is that kind of balance uh and, you know you you like to pull back on the felony thing but i i i, I, I like think both. i talk yeah you're yeah, right i I think i talk about favreau more than not because it's clear to me that he is the guy on this show like he's in the mix and he's even helping with their directing and he's like bringing felonia along in terms of like teaching him and he called feloni even called favreau his like second mentor to he has george a more sure.
1: live action experience than dave Filoni, he just though. has yeah he's yeah. like yeah. just big
0: time right mm-hmm. and he kicked off the mcu for pete's sake but <laughs> yeah. I, I think Star Wars fans, I think the main reason why I really try to bring for Robert's sake for <laughs> I try to bring uh, Favreau up more and more is because Star Wars fans see Mandalorian stuff and they're always like, Filoni's killing it. Oh, man. Thank God for Filoni. Filoni. I'm like, this is John Favreau's show, guys. Like <laughs> Filoni's great and he's adding so much to it and it wouldn't be what it is without him. But let me tell you right now, this is John Favreau's operation. He calls him coach, doesn't up. he? yeah yeah so yeah. Um, P- Star Wars fans need to accept John Favreau. He may not have grown up uh, under the wing of George Lucas but the, t- the dude is the dude and He the got dude
1: George applies. Lucas to say okay to a baby Yoda so he's doing something right
0: Yeah yeah and I again I hope he probably won't but man if Favreau imagine if Favreau and Filoni like step in and take over creative for Lucasfilm. I think people would lose their minds in a good way. I would lose but my mind. That'd be awesome. I would. I one hundred percent would. Um
2: Yeah, I think Favre still wants to be like on site and directing and stuff like that, but he's probably thinking at some point as he gets older, like being producer uh, you know, is a good gig and where better to, to land than, you know, something like I L M. Yeah. Well, not
0: ILM, but Lucasfilm. Yeah. Lucasfilm, yeah. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts on, uh, this episode about the practical effects or anything else you want to, uh, toss in Uh, a little bit of a potpourri before we get out of here?
1: Go ahead, James.
2: Uh, Not particularly other than I think this is probably, um, I don't know, maybe the one, maybe the one with the technology, but, uh, this might be the most rewatchable episode. Because I feel like there's pro- there's a lot in there that uh, you could miss if you blink for a second. I agree yeah. 100%. Yeah.
1: Um, I think, again, this is my favorite episode. I know that everyone listening is like, of course it is, Lacey. Uh, it was my favorite episode so far. And I think one of the things that really drives it home for me, which I've always stood by, is uh, using practical effects and props and puppets and stuff like that to make your films and tv shows stand the test of time because no matter when you watch the show five years from now 10 years from now 20 years from now it's gonna stand it's gonna hold its own because they went that extra step of making everything from the volume to baby yoda to the props and costumes and everything so real that there's no the nothing you look at is going to be like oh that looks weird right whereas mm-hmm. you know the prequels are great but there's a lot of stuff there that you look at and you're like ah, this is i'm getting taken out of this because it just doesn't feel real to me whereas you watch the original tr- original trilogy and it stands up because you're like they're in these places you know they built dagobah that their yoda is there yeah. so it just it makes sense
0: and you know, it, it, this was my favorite episode too, and I think it's because they relied way less on the round table and it felt like something more. Um, Let's come on in here. Let's mm-hmm. peel the curtain back. Come on in. Come on in. Like James, you 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 said like you felt like you were on set, or um, mm-hmm. and Lacey, you felt like you wanted to follow where they go next and that sort of thing. And they really gave you that feeling that you're more there than uh, come on in this room and we're gonna talk about this stuff. But you can't go in there. We're gonna right. talk about it here. Mm -hmm. uh i i I really it was a big difference for me uh so i really enjoyed it um in addition to all the the nerdiness and awesomeness of making star wars intangible and i can touch this thing and i love i love that Um, i think it's
1: because they brought in so many interviews outside of the round table like yeah of the people and creators and model builders and whatnot yeah that then expanded those points of view from the five people sitting at that table with a black tablecloth.
0: yeah yeah. yeah, it looks like they're playing, like, poker. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get out of here for now. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, the 6th of eight. So we're almost My new favorite in the episode. Home stretch. Uh, visualization is the next one. Oh. Um, so I have no idea what that means. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, James, where can people find you uh, on social media?
2: Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at
0: Myra Lacey?
1: People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin.
0: All right. Thank you all so much for listening or watching the Mando fan show. Uh, We'll be back with you on uh, Monday for the resistance broadcast where we make it all about you. All of your questions, uh, a pod race, all of your funny tweets. It's all about you on Monday. And then, um, of course, next week we have a great episode with Ryan Rucco, the play-by-play guy for the New York Yankees, who uh, we had such a fun time talking with him. But we hope you enjoyed this one. Leave in the comments what you thought about not only the Mandalorian uh, episode itself, but also our takes on all these things and were there things that we didn't bring up because, you know, an hour is a short hour to talk about a 30-minute show. But still, (laughs) we could have kept going on this one. So uh, we just want to thank you all uh, for your uh, support, especially our patrons at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. The Mando Fan Show does not exist without your support so we really appreciate that make sure you go to starwarsnewsnet.com for all of your star wars news i also have my written review of this episode over there as well and uh subscribe to trb enjoy your weekends and we'll see you next time right here on the mando fan show